0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
1: Summer is here and all I want to do is let my hair down and start making memories again and it wouldn't be the same without a delicious drink. Personally, over the past year, I've been trying to drink less alcohol as I know it can have a negative effect on my well-being. However, I haven't wanted to compromise on the experience or taste and that's when I discovered Atopia. Atopia is an ultra-low alcohol spirit, and I mean low, at just 0.5% ABV, it has the same alcohol content as a fresh pineapple. It's infused with a selection of aromatic botanicals and is best served with your favorite tonic and garnish. Oh, and by the way, it contains 75 times less alcohol than a gin and tonic, which means you can go out and still feel fresh the next morning. I can't wait to enjoy a summer without compromise with Atopia, so, join in the fun and head over to Waitrose to get a bottle so you can start creating your summer drinks today. Hi, and welcome to Open Mind with me, Frankie Bridge. Today, I'm joined by the Made in Chelsea star, Ollie Luck. How are you?
0: Yeah, good, thank you very much.
1: Ollie has this ridiculously cute puppy on his lap, which is going to be an issue because he's very distracting and he looks like he's just wearing one little sock.
0: No, he's wearing all four. It's the cutest little thing. Oh, god! So all four little socks, but one is bigger than the other. So it's a very small little, little chihuahua. And
1: he's got he's these like, like it. massive ears. It's like a little, oh, he's just too cute.
0: But if I let him down, he will squeal. So it's better for the podcast if he's on my lap.
1: Okay, obviously you look lovely as well, Ollie, but you made the mistake of bringing a puppy into the situation. So now <laughs> I care more about the puppy. Um, <laughs> I guess we should start where we all kind of first heard about you with Maiden. Chelsea.
0: Mm.
1: What was it like for you to go into Maiden Chelsea and then have this kind of overnight fame?
0: Well, the funny thing you say that is in about two hours time, I will be going back to the first ever location that I ever filmed in for filming, which is interesting, in Raffles and the King's Road. I never thought it was completely overnight fame. I think it was October 2010 I signed my contract. Wow. We started filming in January, and in March, I think a few people watched it, and everyone went, "Oh, it's not Towie; it's a bit different." <laughs> and they didn't really like it. And then by series two, which had come out in the summer, people had preferred it, and suddenly so we're like, "Wow, well, we quite enjoy this." And it's, it's something that's, that's quite fun. And it's it was a London based; it had that aspiration in London. It was all like it was beautifully done, and then suddenly it became pretty well known.
1: So you don't feel like it was like this sudden, like, oh, God, all of a sudden, everyone knows who I am. You felt like there was kind of a slow build into that.
0: Well, that was my problem, I think, is because it, me and Joey Essex used to talk about this because it was I had very long hair. Yeah, you And it's growing back. It's getting, really getting longer. I know, really I thought that. Again. You've
1: kind of, your hair's kind of the same length as mine.
0: Yeah, it's getting really long again. But I cut it off because it was too much. It was me and Joey were the people on reality TV at the time that were getting absolutely mobbed. And we couldn't go anywhere. This was before the whole age of, like, long hair for men was cool and and beards and it was all that trendy East London. It was before that. So, yeah, that was why we were so distinctive, because I was the only male on reality TV, apart from Lawrence, Luo and Bohm, I think, that had long hair. (laughs) Twins. Yeah, well, quite. (laughs) And yeah, so that was, that was a big problem. So yeah, I was I couldn't get much anonymity at all. It was, it was a huge thing.
1: What was your reason for going on the show? Did someone come to you and say, we're doing this programme, do you want to be on it? Was there much thought for you that went into that or were you just like, yeah, sure, just kind of jumped I in? A,
0: I was a failed actor. Oh, I okay. trained to be an actor and my drama teacher at one of the drama schools turned around and said, I'll only be a, a, a poor man's Orlando Bloom. I was like, well, that's nice. Thanks very much. Your
1: teacher said that to you.
0: Yeah. And I was like, that's not ideal. <laughs> and I was like, well, I mean, I, I was, nowadays I'd take that immediately. But <laughs> I, uh, I thought, well, and suddenly this show came up called Chelsea Girls. It wasn't called Baby Chelsea. Oh, really? it's called Chelsea Girls. And I was on a beach in Thailand where my father lives. And I got things saying, we'd love you. It's very secret, but we'd love you to be a main cast member. And I went, yeah, well, I'd like that too. And I remember, and I'm not being crass at all, but they said we'll give you five thousand pounds for six months' work. And at that time, when you're 23, I went, "Well, that's quite a lot of money." (laughs) (laughs) And it's an awfully, awfully long amount of time to do. And I said, "Thanks very much." And and, uh, they said, "By the way, with that five thousand pounds as well, you get everything written off entirely. You'll never get a right again. Everything sorted, kind of thing. You'll never get. get, um, Well, exactly. You'll never get." um, any backlogs or any royalties or anything like that and I was like well there it is so we signed that and and that was it but I tell you what I must admit it was the best thing I ever did.
1: Really because some people said I know that Cheska she's kind of come out and said that she found the experience really toxic for her mental health did you ever feel like that or do you feel like it affected different people in different ways?
0: I got to a point where it became Cheska certainly I was living with Cheska at the time and she it was funny because she never talked to me. I was living with her, and she never talked about the fact that she was struggling ever. Which is of course, what most of us do—we no one talk about it. I found it very different. I was quite excited by it, but it was—it was a different world. It was to get used to. I think Cheska used to. It all depends. I think what happens on camera. If people in the street come up to you and say, "Oh, you shouldn't have done that last week," which they did, which is bizarre they give you advice on your relationship.
1: Hmm.
0: I said, you shouldn't have broken up with someone like that. You shouldn't. So every day people would come up to you and talk to you about stuff. So that was always kind of a beating, I think, for anyone, if they were naughty on TV or did anything. God, thank God I'm not Jamie or Spencer. They used to shag everyone. So God knows <laughs> God knows how they must have been treated on the street. But luckily I was always kind of a, a best friend of everyone and it kind of worked for me. Hmm. And people were always very nice. But yes, Cheska, I think, had... She got involved in lots of storylines that perhaps people didn't like or that definitely would have affected her because she was a sensitive creature. She is a sensitive creature. But for me, it was very different because we were being so mobbed everywhere. My mental health situation was slightly different. And that was mainly because I decided from being an actor that I would put on a bit of a performance and it wasn't going to be the real me. Well, I I was was going to say,
1: coming from an acting background... How much of it is you and your day-to-day life and how much of it is slightly performed?
0: Back in the day, it was a lot performed. Really? And I was stupid. I shouldn't have done that. And it was the first five series, if I look back now... It wasn't me at all. It was this kind of performance, the whole Union Jack ridiculousness that, that I'd wear everywhere. I had a Union Jack Jaguar driving everywhere. It was an attention seeking kind of I wanted to be that sort of ridiculous character, which I am a bit. But I <laughs> definitely put some on. And it got to the point where I remember after Alan Carr's Chatty Man in probably 2012, Alan and Gok Wan came back to mine, who were both still very good friends of mine. And they paid dress up with all of my Maiden Chelsea clothes. And I realized that I had one wardrobe for me and one for Maiden Chelsea Ollie. Mm. And that I thought was a bit, and they, they were like, this is ridiculous, kind of thing. And I remember that night being like, this is a bit much, actually. i, I mean, I, I, having two worlds, but everyone thought that was the one me. Mm. So that was my problem.
1: Did that make it easier then, like you were saying, easier for people to kind of give you criticism because you were like, well, that's not really me? Or was there a point where you were like, "You're criticizing me for something that actually isn't really who I am"?
0: Yeah, I took it with a, a pinch of salt. Yes, you're criticizing something that wasn't. I'd sit there and be like, "Oh, John, ridiculous!" Kind of drinking my drink, or my cocktail. And Chelsea used to sit there and say, "What drink do you want?" And where often I'd say, "I oh, have a pint, please," wherever in the pub. I thought I couldn't do that because the audience didn't resonate with that person. So I'd say, make me a cocktail that's pink, ridiculous, and put as many fireworks in it you can and make it look completely absurd. So, Because that's what people imagine I would drink. Mm. But actually, I'd probably drink a vodka tonic or a a beer or whatever. But I could never do that on camera. People wouldn't understand it. I couldn't do that now.
1: Really? You still wouldn't?
0: No, people would find that very strange. uh, People would take the piss, probably. They'd be like, oh, he's trying to be cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it wouldn't work.
1: You've been on it for a really long time now, haven't you? You're kind of one of the main long-standing characters, almost.
0: Yeah, a decade, yeah. There's only one other person that was there from day one, but yes, I've done it for 10 years.
1: How do you think you've managed to kind of stay there for one reason or
0: another? I've had a couple of breaks. However, I think what's happened is at the very beginning, so I had the second ever line on Maiden Chelsea was mine. The first ever breakup was mine first ever coming out on national television. British national television was mine. The first ever gay kiss not on soap was mine. I think that people have gone on my entire journey with me, which I love. It weirdly becomes slightly addictive by putting that on. And that was a selfish thing when I was younger, to be like, oh, I really enjoy doing that because it's quite fun, because people people have seen me going through all my worst and my best and all that kind of stuff. Then it became slightly different when I decided to come out That was a slightly different, and that's where we had to think about other things.
1: Mm. What made your your decision to come out on TV? Because for most people, it's a really private, really scary moment. How comes you were like, right, yeah, I'm going to do this in front of the world?
0: I don't really know. It was a situation that I think I, I think at the very beginning, if I'm completely honest, I think I thought it might have made good TV. Chelsea called up and said, If you were ever going to come out, who would you come out to? And this was, I had literally been on the show for two months. I knew nothing about television at all. And I said, Well, it would be my mum, probably. And I think 4 smiled enormously and went, Okay, this is a first, this is a worldwide first that anyone's ever come out of a mother on television. So really smiling. And I watched my mother sign the release form. And then I told her. And it was in Kenston Park Gardens, it was by the Peter Pan statue. And I've never seen so many, to this day, I've never seen so many production in my entire life, including lawyers, including everything. There's probably about 40 people around us. Um, And it was mental. And my mum then went through a complete breakdown afterwards because not only did I set her up by doing that on camera, which shouldn't have been a situation. She's not someone that wants to be on television, but she did it as a favour for me, not knowing that this was going to be a massive Mm. moment in our lives. But also her brother had died of AIDS in the 80s from being gay. So it was obviously, there was so much worry. There was so much, so much issue. And she had lost lots of weight in the last next couple of weeks after that. And basically it, it turned out that she was terrified about my grandmother finding out and et cetera, et cetera. So I um, trying to asked it. Oh, they didn't,
1: they, they didn't, they took it down. They didn't show
0: it. Really? Yeah, a duty of care situation. They went, we can't do this. It's not worth it. And so I ended up doing it to Binky. Instead, I don't know where that footage is. It might have been burnt, but I've never seen it myself.
1: And how was your relationship then with your mum, with obviously going into as much detail as you feel comfortable with, but did she kind of resent you for that a little bit, for putting her in that situation? Did it make it worse? Do you kind of wish that you'd done it differently?
0: Yeah, no, I was young. I was 23. I think it was, it was silly. I should have I thought about it. And my sister keeps always says to me, she goes, you should have thought about it before you did it. But I, I was an idiot. Basically, I just I thought it'd be a good thing to do. As soon as they said, "Okay, you're going to do this again if you want to. It wasn't anything about cameras at that point. It was about all the people that were struggling out there. And twice in my life, only twice that I've read, I've had two messages and one has said, you just saved my life being you. And the other one said, you've just saved my brother's life. And they're the, the two reasons why we've decided to do everything and talk about sexuality on camera
1: mm-hmm. because
0: of exactly those two things. And I'm sure there are more people, but it's something that I think we're all in a power position to exactly what you're doing, talking about mental health, stuff like that, where I'm sure every day you help people. And it's we are in that position. You can either close it off or you can talk about it.
1: But you, before this, you had relationship with girls, didn't you, on Absolutely, Made in yeah, Chelsea? Yeah. And was yeah. that did you kind of always know you were gay but felt like you couldn't be or were you a bit older before you kind of realized
0: no I was I was very much in a situation where this is actually quite interesting an interesting question purely because I I wasn't ready to come out and say that I was dating women I was having a lovely time I was very happy in that but there was a progression that I went I knew I liked guys as well I didn't quite know where to go Being Mm. on reality TV, it kind of pushes you in a direction to be like, okay, speed it up slightly Mm. and be like, oh, the producers hear about it or whatever like that or friends go, "Oh, oh," oh, let's talk about that kind of thing. I'm not sure I was entirely ready to talk about it, but I knew that I wanted to and it was the right thing to do because of the flow of a new TV show and it was all exciting. But as soon as I came out on camera, I was expecting this massive flood of, of everything amazing and, and, The Attitude magazine to ring up and be the front cover star, all that kind of stuff. And no one did. And I think I was taken back slightly that it wasn't this parade that I expected, that I went straight back in the closet. Oh, really? I then went out with a woman for a year straight afterwards, Chloe Green, which was great. And I adored it, but I just my body wasn't ready to to. To be gay, it was just a progression that I had put on television. Where I think a lot of people kind of sit there and think about it privately. I didn't. I decided to put it on camera. So um, yeah.
1: And you're now married. I am married. Aren't we old now? We're very it's old. Very old. I, <laughs> I know. But your husband, am I right in saying you you had known him for quite a few years before you Four got years, yeah. together?
0: Yeah, we met at, do you feel really old? We met in China White's. Did
1: you? That's where I met my husband, so.
0: <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> now, for anyone that doesn't know that, China White's a nightclub, a very trendy nightclub yeah. back in the day in Mayfair. And it's long gone now, but um, that's hilarious. Through <laughs> <It's hilarious.
1: laughs> all the best so, romances start, clearly.
0: <laughs> well, there it is. That's so funny. Um, but yeah, we met in China White's and that was it. And that was, we were friends for years and, and then it was one day we, we sat there at a friend's house in the Cotswolds and it was snowing and it was wonderful and it was, it was a Saturday there was no alcohol involved we basically started talking and, and she had turned around and said oh you guys should definitely get together and we said oh don't be ridiculous it's just we're gay. we're not going to get together mm. and as I walked away from that conversation on a Saturday afternoon I knew I was going to marry him I knew there it, it wasn't even a discussion Really? Yeah and I'd never felt that before I thought it was incredibly boring before that
1: What? Getting married?
0: <laughs> no him Oh you thought he boring. was boring <laughs> Yeah. I was like, oh, he's so boring. I was like, oh, he's so boring. And anyway, um, turns out he wasn't. But actually, he's incredibly exciting.
1: And the whole getting married thing, did you always kind of know if you were always quite unsure about being gay and coming out and things like that? Was getting married part of your plan or did you kind of think you would never, never do that?
0: Interesting. I think I was the age and generation of my best friend's wedding, and all of that kind of with Rupert Everett, and and for what is the funeral where the where weirdly Gareth is the the, <laughs> the, gay, the gay guy in it, and everything was it was it was that the, all the gay guys were fun. They were the ones that didn't get married. They didn't have kids. They had disposable income, yeah. and that's what I thought gay was. And, and I thought, well, this is fantastic. I was like, I could be everyone's best friend. This is amazing. But then ten years ago, the law came in that you could get married, and I think it changed a bit and having children I was like well, I'm never gonna have children don't be ridiculous and then suddenly everything changed and we were allowed to and and the 90s were no longer a thing and um, equality really stepped up and so we thought okay well this is well this is pretty amazing mm-hmm. we can now do that so I had to change my mind and think well this is now a possibility so do I want to get married do I want to have children and it was of course a yes once I grew up slightly
1: and you guys have now decided to try for a baby via surrogacy why now? What made you guys to decide that now is the time?
0: It was, it was, well, lots of reasons really, but it was, so I'm godfather to Binky's daughter, India. And just between lockdown one and lockdown two, which I can't even believe we're saying, it's mm. a ridiculous thing to say, isn't it? I went round to Binky's house and I, I didn't have younger sisters. I didn't have younger brothers. I didn't have cousins that I, I knew particularly. I've never spent a lot of time with children. And, I had never seen Gareth with any children. And where we had said, oh, we probably won't have children, I watched him that day. And he was the ultimate father to India. And I've never seen anything like it. He was perfect. He was the ultimate dad. I went, there's no way in hell I could ever prevent him from being a father. He has to be a father. Mm. And then I thought about it and I, it was so heartwarming that I remember going home that night, smiling, going to bed, being like, he doesn't know because I haven't spoken about this yet, but I know that we are opening up that journey now and I need to have a conversation with them.
1: Are you planning a party, a barbecue, or even a garden soiree this summer? Now we're getting used to hosting again, we have to cater to all the needs of our guests. Lots of my friends and family don't like to drink too much alcohol, but love the taste and the celebration, and there's no reason why they should lose out. I always make sure to have a bottle of Atopia on hand so I can rustle up a quick Atopia and tonic for the designated drivers, expectant mothers, or those who just want to take a night off. And it even goes down well with the big drinkers, too. I believe moderation shouldn't come with a compromise. To get started on your cocktail journey, head over to Atopia Spirits to get inspired. <music> And you guys, you have started that journey, haven't you? But the first attempt didn't work. And you've kind of said a line, obviously, how heartbroken and how difficult that was. How, you know, that must have been really tough for you guys to kind of make that decision, be really excited and then the first attempt not to happen.
0: If I'm completely honest, I think we're naive. I think we were naive. I think we were we expected everything to go right, but as you know, as, as any woman in the country in the Britain world knows, that getting pregnant isn't an easy thing for a lot of people. And we just joined that community of people that do struggle slightly to have children the first time. And it was and is the most heartbreaking thing that ever happened to me. We were silly that we think it was gonna happen the first time, but I think we were so excited about it and it didn't. And what was stupid, again, is another stupid decision of mine, which hasn't been aired yet, but we did it all on Chelsea. We found out all the results on Made in Chelsea. Okay. And so the episode one of the next series, there is a beyond horrific scene that we did where we're sitting there with the Sarai on the phone and suddenly she goes, it didn't work. And it is, that is the worst thing I've ever done on camera in my life because that couldn't have been realer. You couldn't, I mean, there's no. if anyone goes, oh, how real is Made in Chelsea? They always say that. How real is Made in Chelsea? watch that scene and find out how real it is hmm. because that was the awful
1: and how is that for Gareth thing because is he is he used to being on tv and then like having to have something you're kind of obviously you said that's the hardest thing that you've done on screen but you've you know you've been through lots of ups and downs in front of the camera but for him that must have been particularly difficult
0: yeah I think it was he's not but again I forget that slightly that he's not he's taken to it like beautifully and it's it's been it's been a really easy I feel it's been quite an easy road for him he's really enjoyed it he's had great fun he's got lots of people around him producers love him and it, it kind of worked but yes it was after that that I think we had a bit of a, a moment where he was like this is just it's so brutal mm. and and we have to we have to remember that everyone's going through this and I think through his dms it made life easier of talking about everyone that was going through the same situation.
1: And how have you guys kind of got through that as a couple? Because I know, on, you know, for anyone going through IVF or anything like that, it can really put a strain on your relationship. How have you two kind of decided to get through that together?
0: I think it was a week of trying to work it all out and discuss it and, and talk openly and lots of tears. And I think it's basically just jumped back on the horse. And we have to do it. You have to get back out there and just go for it. And so we're trying to do it again. Hmm. But thankfully, I mean, thankfully, uh, yeah, Boris has decided to put it on the red list, which is great, Mexico and the red list, where we do it all, which is great. So we've got three embryos sat in Mexico right now that we're trying to get shipped over to Cyprus so we could do it. It's all a bit of a nightmare. But we will get there. And hopefully by Christmas, we'll be pregnant.
1: And why is it Mexico?
0: Interesting. IVF in Britain is a really, really difficult place to try and have a baby from male same-sex couple. It's incredibly difficult. Yeah. First of all, if you want an egg donor, you can't see the face of them. Uh, you can't see you can't see what the egg donor looks like at all. You can see it's got brown hair and blue eyes, but you can't see anything else. Right. And I would like to know a lot more, I would like to see a comprehensive profile of the biological mother of our children look like and you have to do that in america or mexico basically or israel and so we we did it there so we got our eggs from an egg clinic called Elevate in beverly hills it was a brazilian model that we got from <laughs> of course um of course and she's completely ridiculous and incredible and so we got those then we had to fly her up to mexico to get, them to get the eggs removed and then we had to fly to mexico with the surrogate it's all a massive thing that um but yeah, I mean...
1: And have you become close to her?
0: Not, not... We never meet the egg donor, but the surrogate we... Oh, uh, yeah. DM'd oh, okay.
1: Us. So, yeah, they're two different things, obviously. <sighs> two Sorry.
0: different things. Okay. No, no, no. no. It's it, this is everyone... It's, it's such a d- weird process that everyone is like... like and everyone... do you just go
1: to, like, a surrogate shop? Like, how does that work? Like,
0: Certainly certainly not. I wish it was like <laughs> that. You can't, you can't do it. Our surrogate actually DM'd us after watching an episode of Chelsea. And she wasn't wow. a fan of Chelsea. She just happened to be watching it and wanted to be a surrogate in the past, and said, well, absolutely, I want to... So
1: want she's to British, but the rules here are very different, right, to different. America, and I'm guessing... So what rules do you to have to her. go by? Okay, right.
0: So we're not allowed to pay her. We can give her up to £20,000 expenses mm. for the year of pregnancy and going through all that kind of stuff, and that's all we can give her. In America, you there's a there's a thriving business that works with surrogacy. but in, And the, isn't in there in always a
1: risk that she could change her mind and keep the baby is that ever in the back of
0: your mind I mean absolutely that is a I mean I know her so well now we've been on holiday with her we've done I, I, we've, we've. I know her I know her children I know her parents I know everything and about them I've actually been on holiday with her mother um, now because she came to Mexico with us So I know her so well I know she's not going to she doesn't want more children she just wants to do something for another couple however legally and theoretically she if she turned around and said and said she wants to keep the baby she could what is the most ridiculous situation of it is when we do get the babies after they're born we get them straight away however for the first six months before we go to the high court to go and adopt our own children they have the surname of the surrogate really? so actually the surrogate's husband has more rights to the children than we do as biological parents
1: that's crazy.
0: It's I feel like the law absurd. here
1: has so much catching up to do around that whole
0: thing. Well, for the first time, I can say that I was in Parliament this week discussing that exact really? issue because we're trying to bring legislation forward. It hasn't been touched oh. in 30 years and it's absurd that it hasn't been touched in 30 years. I just think it's time has
1: moved so much. Things have changed so much. Yeah. Well, well done also, to you. That's
0: quite fascinating is, is you're not allowed to... You know, gay guys are like, oh, yeah, you can make you can make um, embryos on the NHS. That's fine. You can do that. There's no problem. But it's, you're not allowed to use a surrogate. What, so we just have... What, embryos. so we just have eggs in a freezer? Yeah. Like, that, you know, like, that? Is that it? We just have embryos. That's all... We can't put them anywhere. Like, that, well, that's absurd. That's
1: crazy. And will she have anything to do with your baby once it's here or will then that be it? It sounds like you're, like, friends now.
0: Yeah, she... I hope she is a part of it. She wants to be a part of life, but I think it will be kind of a a Lovely auntie, basically, that we can mm. go and I want her to be the naughty auntie. If there. <laughs> there's ever a problem at 16 or 18, she can go to her because she's great fun. Yeah, and uh, and maybe I don't want to speak to dads about this, and so I don't want to speak to dad about it, I'd like to speak to auntie, whatever. And yeah, maybe that's where we'll go.
1: And how have your family found it all? Are they all excited? Have they been concerned?
0: Yeah, I mean, yes, that and all, it's all been i mean you know what parents are like they love grandchildren that all they want is grandchildren and they're all excited about it but um they've had get used to quite a lot over the last decade and I think they take everything in stride mm. because they I'm completely fucking bonkers and we know that <laughs> um and I love it and it's great fun but um but I th- just think that every that everything I say to them they're like well yes of course you've done that <laughs> oh, yes of course that's it and, and yeah of course that's the way you're doing it And when I say yes we're doing IVF but we're doing it on camera uh, and we might be doing a documentary about it well of course you are there's <laughs> there's that, oh, again there's another kind they understand my b- bizarre world, but they kind of take hmm. the bitch salt because they don't really understand it.
1: And do you find that Gareth kind of grounds you a bit with any of that? Does he call you out on some of it sometimes, or does he just fully embrace it all?
0: I think he allows my eccentricities. I think <laughs> I think he finds it quite entertaining. But behind all the madness and all the fun, all the all the all that kind of stuff, it's it, it's this very normal family that we have in a weird way or that we all do. I know, like, everyone, it's just. We just want what everyone else has and what everyone else is trying to have or if they want to or if they can do, and that is to have your family and to just be a a unit, Mm. and that's, um, yeah.
1: So I put out, whenever I talk to someone, um, I give my followers an opportunity to ask questions. Did Um, did retweet you? I uh, know, I noticed. Thank you very much. And someone has asked how you plan when you have your baby or babies, as you said. Will you talk to them about how they've come into the world? How do you plan to approach that? Or have you not thought about that yet? Super, super,
0: super interesting question. I haven't thought about it enormously yet. Um, I think the difficulty is that you can plan as much as you want, but you know, with your kids and stuff like that, they come back from school and someone's told them something else before potentially you get them the chance to do it. Especially in the
1: position you're in, I suppose people will all have seen it. People might have spoken to their kids about it, but like because it's on TV.
0: Well, your your journey exactly, as in like, because with, with public eye parents, like that's a, that's something that might be quite interesting. Mm. Like, like, mommy, like that suddenly, like mummy, there must be a situation in your life. I'm not saying this about you, mm. mommy must have was. I'm sorry, mummy. Is daddy famous? Is is mommy, Are you famous, mummy? Like, what was the situation that you have to? Yeah. So as much planning we can go through it. There's there's got to be kind of a we don't know really, but I think. I suppose we have to talk about it some way it's but I I must admit I haven't thought about it yet and I think that's um something that as we develop and as we grow up and as the babies grow up I think there's something that we definitely need to need to think about but um you keep saying babies
1: keep saying babies is there gonna be two
0: but who knows
1: oh that's exciting (laughs) my sister's just had twins so um They are very fun. So she hasn't slept in months? No, no. But I enjoy them immensely because they're hilarious. So if you do have twins, good luck, but also lucky you.
0: Auntie Frankie's going to babysit.
1: Oh, no, she's not. (laughs) Just one at a time. (laughs) And you kind of touched on this when we were talking about the surrogacy and someone's actually asked, are there different rights for same-sex couples during IVF? to what is the other like a heterosexual yeah yeah there you go are there, are there different rights or is it the same
0: yes i'm sure that i'm sure there is the same rights theoretically you're allowed to go through three rounds of ivf if you're a heterosexual couple on the nhs i believe they the rights when it comes to gay guys is the issue because there's no embryo to grow in, and surrogacy is is not a thing on the NHS. That that's the problem.
1: Like Female you said, the embryo, thing, the initial bit isn't the issue. It's the
0: it's the renter womb. <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. The, is the is the issue. Yeah. So that's that's the main problem. So yes, there is definitely a grey area when it comes to same-sex male couples trying mm-hmm. to have babies on the NHS. That's a that's a that's a big thing, and that's something that we were talking to the Parliament about this week.
1: And not the same for same-sex women couples. Then.
0: Because you yeah, said male they
1: there.
0: They've got um, a womb. Yeah. So they don't have to worry about it so much. So they can go through it on the NHS oh, because they don't mad. have to use a surrogate.
1: It's never really, obviously, I've never really given it that much thought. And I just can't believe that, like, I get that you guys don't have wombs. So obviously things are going to be different, but it's still the same situation.
0: I that it sounds really selfish. And this is a selfish thing to say. I suppose it's not selfish, but it's one of those things. And after the first attempt didn't work, I think we, used to, we got so, I think the one thing that upset me is hearing all those horror stories where people just abandon their children, are horrible to children, all that kind of stuff. And we're like, why did it not work for us and it worked for them? Yeah. It breaks my heart there are so many children out there that aren't loved. And, and we know that we're opening, all we want is to love our children so much, give them the best hope and the best, the best life and, and to literally smile all their life. And it just hurts so much that life gives you a carb that's not like that. I'm sure it'll work. And I'm, I know there are so many people going through multiple six, seven, eight, nine, ten rounds of IVF. But I just, I know there's a, a situation where I just, I, I just, and we will go down the idea of adoption at some point, potentially, if it doesn't work. But we want to try biological children first, if we can. But yeah, there was de- definitely something that you kind of sit there and be like, why, why? That's, okay. There's so many children that aren't looked after. And I know we've got so much love to, to give.
1: Hmm. I know that by talking about this and you have obviously, like you've said, you've spoken about the, your journey with trying to have children and your sexuality all on Made in Chelsea and all on your socials. You're very open in general. But I always, annoyingly, and um, I like to be very difficult at the end of every podcast okay. <laughs> and ask my guests for three little bits of advice and someone did this to me yesterday and I was like oh this is a really hard question and now I feel really bad because I do it to everyone (laughs) and I'm still going to do it anyway what would be your three bits of main advice for anyone that's going through like identity struggles or starting a
0: family one bit of advice I have is I've never met anyone and I've met so many people over the years that have had difficult coming out situations stuff like that in the end I've never met anyone that regrets coming out which is interesting. So if you're struggling with that and you will, you may well lose friends over it. It might be a situation, that, but they're not friends at all. No. And I've got friends that have lost family through it. However, they're at least being themselves. And that's something that I will always sit there and, and they're happy and they're happy with their, their. It's lovely how much the community kind of takes you in and makes you happy and makes you feel like you're okay. So that's, that's something that I would always, always think about it and don't don't sit there and marry someone that you don't want to marry because you'll only be miserable and it's one life. So there is, there are options. IVF situation, I think we're all in this community together. I think more than anything, whatever status you are, whatever whatever part of the world you are, my DMs are always open and that is something, and so are the entire community of people go through IVF. I've met, I reckon, 20 lovely people that I speak to most days on DMs that I've never actually met before mm. that we speak on DM because they all go through the same process. And the community don't give a flying whatever that I'm on Maiden Chelsea or whatever like that or we're, or different paths of life or whatever we're all going through one similar thing and there's and that is why we all speak online which is lovely so make sure you reach out to those people because the ultimate advice is, is there and everyone's stories there the third bit I think just absolutely persevere there are so many options when it comes to having a baby and I have to tell that to myself as well that we will get there at one point. And if we have to go down adoption route, I'm sure that child will love us just as much as any other. But yes, I think perseverance. And if you want to be a, a parent in some manner, then you will get there. And it's just, it's, um, I think, keep smiling through the hardest times as they will get it.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for um, being so honest about everything. And I completely agree for anyone going through IVF. My sister went through the same struggles and i have found that there are so many people that she's been able to talk to online and still people come and talk to her about it so what you say is completely true you all are on the same journey and everyone seems so happy to share their story or any tips or any people that they know so exactly reach out if you can and um thank you so much ollie and hopefully i'll see you soon speak to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Open Mind. I hope this has really been helpful for you. If you have been affected by this episode or would like to find out any more information regarding mental health, then please head over to mind.org.uk. And please follow me on Instagram and look out for my stories where I reveal each new guest and collect all of your fantastic questions to put forward to them. See you next time. Hi guys, summer's finally here, and I'm looking forward to catching up with friends and family as much as possible. At all those get togethers, I like to have the option of being able to moderate my alcohol intake without missing out on the occasion. That's when I love a refreshing Atopia and Tonic. It's an award winning non alcoholic spirit with all the flavour of a premium gin but less than 0.5% alcohol. Our friends at Atopia have given us an exclusive offer for Open Mind listeners. Just head over to clinkspirits.com and use the code OPENMIND at checkout to get £5 off a bottle of Atopia and free shipping. Enjoy the summer with a bit of mindful moderation.